bum bum bottom 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 bum b
Uh, no, I have not. Yeah. And I'm really grateful yeah, that I, I haven't. Never seen it in the real world. Yeah, because it's a really gross and terrible tradition. Yeah, I mean, one, it could be used as a weapon. Yeah. And that's not cool. Yeah. And two, you could be glob. And that's not cool. <laughs> that's sad. That is sad. It, it should go the way of pinching people on St. Patrick's Day for not wearing green. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, let's from- stop that tradition also. I, it's already dead. I Is think it dead? So. Uh, yeah. I used to get pinched by my coworkers on St. Patrick's Day when I worked at Barnes & Noble. That's harassment and we should sue. <laughs> You're damaged. Uh, I could sue Barnes & Noble. <laughs> That's right. I would never do that. That company treated me well. One of my favorite Christmas comics is a Hellboy issue from the late 90s. It was part of like that Hellboy Christmas special. Mm. Uh, Hellboy is sent by the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense to an English castle where Mrs. Hatch has come under some sort of supernatural stupor. And when he is communicating with her, she's in a haze and she sees Hellboy as Father Christmas. And there is a Mike Mignola panel where he's Hellboy in one panel, and then the next panel he is Father Christmas. And I love that image. I love the idea of Christmas operating through Hellboy. And he does so because he goes to this tomb that's under the castle and there's evil demonic spirits who have been poisoning the souls of that castle. And Mrs. Hatch is the last surviving member and he's able to damn those demons back to hell. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a lovely punch him up Hellboy comic. But that image of Hellboy as Father Christmas is sort of burned into my brain. And another great Hellboy Christmas story is actually the final Hellboy in Hell storyline Dickens's Three Ghosts, you know, A Christmas Carol features prominently in that story. And the way Mignola kind of reworks that to fit his mythology in this puppet show is really fantastic. And it's not technically a Christmas comic, but the spirit of Christmas is all through Hellboy in Hell. If you're throwing on Hellboy in Hell, then I want to put Batman Ego onto our Christmas comics list. Well, that's a great comic. Is that a Christmas comic? I think it is a loose interpretation of... A Christmas Carol in a very Batman-y context. And there is even a scene when that Batman ego demon takes Bruce Wayne back in time to a Christmas scene where all of the Waynes are sitting around this enormous tree. And it is the Christmas when Thomas Wayne gives Martha that infamous pearl necklace. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like I like this this selection. It's not something I would have thought of at all. One, that is a brilliant comic book. And two, you're right. It is a Christmas carol for Batman. If you see a tree and it is decked with the hulls, the hulls of it are decked, then it's a Christmas comic. Also... It has that theme of reconnecting with his family, which I think is an enduring Christmas theme. For me personally, a lot of Christmas gets kind of mixed up with the end of the year and this opportunity of new perspective, clean slate, this opportunity to start over. And I think that that's what Batman Ego is all about. It's all about taking stock of what he's been doing up to that point and thinking, like, how can I do it better? Yeah, yeah. And that's what the latest issue of That Texas Blood does so well. Issue 20. Sheriff Joe Bob is recovering from the RQK killer arc, which was, uh, I mean, like, Sheriff Joe Bob, he's encountered a lot of dark, disturbing stuff. Certainly the second volume of That Texas Blood is deeply, deeply troubling to his soul. But this arc with the RQK 
is just more traditionally nightmarish, mm. right? It is so scary. The storm has swept in over Ambrose County and with it is this killing machine going from house to house chopping heads off. Ah, it's so, so, so scary. And he does need to be reminded, why am I doing this? Yeah, without getting spoilery, the end of the RQK arc has Joe Bob returning home to Martha and Billy and them being this kind of oasis for him. Like a lot of the story he spends focusing on his work wife, who is Lou. And we've gotten to know Martha in previous arcs. And I feel like in RQK, she was kind of conspicuously absent. So for me, the end of the RQK arc going into this Christmas special is like, a recentering yeah, of totally. Joe Bob and a recentering for me as the reader to remind me, like, this is what he's fighting for. He's yeah. fighting for the people that he loves. He's fighting for the legacy he wants to build for Billy. And creators Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips find a way to recenter mm. Joe Bob's purpose in a very unique way by going into Billy's imagination. And this is the first proper introduction of Billy. And it's so nice to see that Billy is a lot like young Brad. Like this is the type of stuff that young Brad was tinkering on when he was a comic book maniac back in the 90s. Billy has just completed this amazing work of fiction based on his admiration and hero worship of his father as sheriff, and also his love of high fantasy, ancient Egyptian, whatever he's learning in probably like the fourth grade, <laughs> with this character, Two Gun Common. What a great name. Too a good. mummy sheriff, so good. And the evil vampire Wyatt Slurp. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's such an opportunity for Jacob Phillips to go wild in a way that he has not yet done before with that Texas blood. It's such a special issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, because he has to draw in that kind of, first he has to draw in that like childlike style yeah. and then that hyper fantasy style, which is something we don't usually get from Jacob Phillips. So it's so nice to have of both of these creators in the love nest to talk about that Texas blood. Of course, if you go back, look at the show notes, click on the link. We had a conversation with Chris Condon about that Texas blood issue 14, which was the kickoff of the RQK killer. But now here we are going full spoilers into the RQK storyline. So you really need to read that third volume. All the issues are out there right now. And we then talk a little bit more loosely about the That Texas Blood special, issue 20, Christmas special, which just came out last week. This series really is one of our favorite ones on the stands mm. right now. Both Lisa and I, like yes. whenever the issue comes out, we like fight each other who gets to read it first. And uh, I, I'm just, I, we talk a little bit about this with these two, but it's always surprising that not everyone has heard about that Texas blood. So if you are one of the listeners out there who has yet to experience that Texas blood, here is your excuse. Here is your opportunity to do so. I'm kind of jealous that you get to read it for the first time because that's behind us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, they, they read quickly, right? Yeah. You'll binge through this very, very easily and you'll have a good time with it. Um, now, if, if you're still like, uh, Brad, I don't have time for that. I just want to listen to this conversation and maybe this will get me hyped. Yeah, 
that that will too. I I, I don't think we spoil the big plot no. twists. We were we were RQK. on our best behavior. We were on our best behavior. Um, but you know we do get into the nitty gritty of it because we're comic book couples counseling and we want to get personal. So on that note, I think we can just mosey right into the love nest and have a conversation with Jacob and Chris. Ooh, mosey, that's like a cowboy word. I picked it on purpose, Lisa. <laughs> Jacob and Chris, thank you so much for joining us at Comic Book Couples Counseling. Welcome. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, thank you. We are extremely excited to have you both on to talk that Texas blood. And we wanted to start this conversation with the new Christmas special that comes out on December 7th. That Texas Blood and Christmas specials, it's a thing now. Why is it a thing? Well, I think that Jake and I are both huge Simpsons fans. And the Simpsons have their Treehouse of Horror every October. And I don't know if it was planned exactly, but the idea of doing a holiday special really appealed to us. Uh, And so what better holiday for, you know to explore Texas than, uh, well, it started with a Christmas issue on, with issue 13. Right. Which seemed like, you know, if we were going to do anything for an issue 13, it should be a Christmas special. Cause why not like subvert the expectation? Um, and not only that, but have that Christmas issue be a, a ghost story. Um, which is that, which is a Christmas tradition anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like the idea of a holiday special. I, I always liked annuals in general. I, I always enjoy when there's like a, like a, whether it's the DC or Marvel, like a compilation, you know, anthology for Halloween or Christmas or whatever. I always enjoyed those anyway. So it was kind of a no brainer that we would try to do our own sort of holiday special. So that's really what it was born out of. But also we just like doing one shots. I mean, I like doing one shots. I think they're fun. It allows us the ability to play another uh, in in other uh, sandboxes that we don't normally play in, um, but there's always this there's always going to be this one connecting thing in our in our Christmas specials, which is going to be it's somebody telling a story to somebody else. So that's that's what it is. That's going to be the connective tissue throughout, no matter what the Christmas issue actually entails. The Christmas specials allow for you to go a little wild. You're you're a little looser with the imagination in the Christmas specials. You know, the first one being a ghost story, this one being uh, a, a story within a story about Two Gun Common. Uh, I imagine they could be incredibly fun for Jacob to uh, tackle. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And I knew this is the answer because I've, I've read the credits <laughs> about the disgruntled artist. <laughs> yeah, well, that again is a Simpsons thing we you know taking doing the nicknames for the uh, for the special but um yeah like i think it would have been fun if i didn't have a deadline mm. but there's a lot of stuff in this that i don't normally have to draw i like drawing people stood around talking and all the other stuff's really hard so like you know the i don't know how much we we've already revealed in online but you know all the uh, well we know the there's sort of, a mummy right so yeah, <laughs> yeah all the sort of fantastical ridiculous fun stuff that i had to draw was less fun to actually draw but um you know it it was it was like you know i feel like i've played up to the fact that i was upset about it but it was you know when i read it the script i was like this is gonna be so good like i'm gonna really enjoy this and then i had to draw it i think i think i drew it in three weeks (laughs) so i was like oh well now i have to actually you know figure out how all this stuff works and then like once you do the sort of first how many pages figuring it all out 
then it gets a bit more fun and you get into it. But like, yeah, the initial like sitting down and being like, well, how does how is this even going to make any sense? Um, especially in like my style, like you know, it's not overly stylized, cartoony kind of thing. So you, you can get away with less, I think, because it has to make sense. You can't sort of get around it. And I don't put that much black on things either. So it's like you can't like just black out half of the stuff to like make it convincing. So yeah, it was, uh, it, but you know, it's a fun old time. Um, I feel like the Christmas special is like a necessary palate cleanser following the last arc with the RQK killer, because I, I think that at like the end of the year and Christmas is a time where we have to kind of like remind ourselves like, oh, this is what it's all about. Here's my restatement of principles this and is good intentions and all, all of that stuff. And I, I love that this story is through the eyes of young Billy. So um, can you talk a little bit about like switching the focus from like the way um, Joe Bob sees being a sheriff to the way his son thinks about being a sheriff? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, we introduced Billy as a as an idea in the second arc mm-hmm. he's mentioned as existing uh and then we see him in uh, it's not really a spoiler but in the final panel of the, of the third arc or the one of the final panels anyway um and so i wanted to, I, a i just wanted to give him a little bit more room to develop um as a character and actually have him be a character have him be a living breathing character within the world of that texas blood but uh i i did think that it it was it's it's very much uh you know a childlike view of what a sheriff is you know it's it's like you know when you were in preschool and uh you would have career day and like you would have people come in and they'd ask you about what do you want to be when you grow up and how many people would say firefighters or policemen or you know all these sort of like authority figures uh because in your mind that's it's like it's a sort of fun job uh you know you're you're you know you're brought up with cops and robbers you're brought up with you know the idea of a firefighter fighting fires fires kind of cool and fun when you're a kid but obviously as you grow up like these ideas you know they obviously take a dark turn uh, most of the time i mean I, I think that, you know, if you, if you wanted to be an EMT, it's kind of fun that you're driving around in an ambulance when you're a kid, but, you know, you know the reality of it, you know, as an adult. Same thing with firefighters, you know, the reality of it as an adult. Police, obviously, you know the reality of it as an adult. Um, so I, it's, it is fun to explore that idea and then sort of, you know, have have Joe Bob be there and sort of be like, oh, well, why is this guy doing this? Why is this guy doing this? Um, but just to have that sort of childlike, uh, imagination running amok, you know, throughout the, throughout this issue is, is it was something that I, I thought, you know, and like you said, it, it's like very much a palate cleanser. It's, it's the, it's, it's the dessert to our, our entree, our, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, we, we went pretty dark and, and pretty intense in the last arc. And, and this is very much a, a sweet, fun, funny, story you know um and i don't think it's like anything that we've done before since i mean even the last christmas issue the last christmas issue i would describe as fun but on a different level 
Um, whereas this is very much sort of almost, I, I, I want to say it's like sort of like a Mignola-ish thing. You totally. Know, it's, it's sort of that fun, just throw everything you like at the wall and, <laughs> and uh, see where it falls. I thought a lot about the crime fiction, the weird fiction of Joe Lansdale reading the Christmas special, oh, yeah, yeah. the latest one. Uh, so Paul Harrison Davies, who's who's an artist that I very much like, and was a friend of both Jacob and myself, uh, he was saying how it reminds him of both Manly Wade Wellman, who gave Wellman uh, his last name in, in the second arc, um, and Lansdale. And it wasn't... so. The the character Two Gun Common was actually a friend of mine came up with the name. It so was good. like you should you should have a character. He was just like it was just a riff. He was just like you should have a character named Two Gun Common that's a mummy. And like we were we were joking around and like the idea was originally that he was going to be the slowest draw in the West, but he <laughs> doesn't die because everybody's just shooting him because he's already dead. But he he slowly gets his gun and then he kills everybody. Um, but obviously that would just be very difficult to translate into a comic, especially when you have like 24 pages to tell the story. But that was basically the idea of it. So he sort of was like that. And I was like, oh, you know, I always liked Bubba Hotep. <laughs> so there was some lands down in that. Um, but it, it wasn't on my mind necessarily. Um, the idea of just doing it, Mignola wasn't even on my mind. I mean, I love all of these things, but it wasn't it wasn't even you know, sitting there uh, as I was creating it, it just, you know, it came from the idea of, okay, we're going to do this all from Billy's perspective. And, you know, it's just going to be a kid's imagination run wild. So it's going to be like this wild west fantasy. It's not going to be a real wild west. It's not going to be what, you know, what, what actually happened in Ambrose County in 1880 or 1870 or whatever. It's going to be this fictionalized version where there's vampires and there's mummies and, you know, all this sort of wacky stuff um and yeah it was, it was just very fun to explore what's interesting about this issue compared to the previous stories is it feels like the first three arcs have really highlighted the darkness that exists underneath and around ambrose county and yeah. this issue really doesn't do that except for as you were saying joe bob telling billy you know, being a sheriff, there's some things you're going to see. Yeah, there's, being a sheriff is seeing things that you don't want to see. Right. And so that, that's the really the only hint that there's still something bubbling in Ambrose County in this issue. That being said, though, the way the arcs have been going is like, okay, grounded, then hinting at the supernatural, and then grounded. And like, I, I think that it's interesting that it is also in Billy's imagination. There's something there's rotten. There's darkness directly underneath Ambrose County. Like I wanted to talk about by starting that Texas blood with old Joe Bob, it mm -hmm. then reorients your entire worldview into, and this is how Joe Bob became who he is. And so coming directly out of the RQK arc, where Joe Bob is like looking a little shaggy, right? To the Christmas special where he's clearly gotten a, a haircut and the haircut, now he has graying temples. You go like, oh, was that, was the, were those graying temples? Was that from the stress of like de dealing with a serial killer? Like everything seems to be going to this end, creating this continuity all the way up to the present. What are the challenges of creating this 
continuity by bullet points of like, okay, 81, 92, present. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I would like to hear Jake's take on it as well from a visual standpoint. But I mean, I for me, it's very much, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm always thinking about where... You know, I'm even I there's some stuff that I want to do where we're dealing even where Joe Bob was a kid, you know, um, and to see how that even, you know, affected his development. Into well, the, guess, uh, the hint of a mustache. See that. Yeah. Well, he, he <laughs> threw it on back then. <laughs> <laughs> and the Grand Temples, he was just reading a lot of Fantastic Four. Mm. And, um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's died. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> um but yeah i don't know it's it was always there from the pitch from the get-go it was there that we were going to do this we were going to go back in time we were going to see you know joe bob and we we're going to see the county developing and, and to see where you know to get to that point where it's joe bob and issue one and then joe bob and two through six as well but you know, to get to that issue one joe bob where he's that world weary I'm tired of this <laughs> sort of Joe Bob. Um, it, it was always there. And I, I, I yeah, I, I, like I, I have a, a sort of timeline in, in my head of where everything is and where it's going. And so, yeah, it is planned to a certain extent, but I also try to give myself the freedom as I'm writing to sort of be, you know, with certain connections. I uh, introduced uh, Benchley as being related to West uh, West Greer, uh, Buster Greer, mm-hmm. um, who who's named after West Greer, right. um, but uh, I introduced him as being related to him, and that was just like me funning, you know. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was just having a goof because uh, I was like, "What if the bad guy is related to the bad guy?" But you know, in general, it it is sort of planned out. But I do try to give myself freedom to move around if I need to, and sometimes I screw up but sometimes sometimes I get it right. So it is what it is. Yeah, so I think, like, if you go back to the... I just pulled it up, but it's the, the second page of the first issue, and mm-hmm. we go on show the, the newspaper clippings of uh, the last three yeah, arcs, I think. Right. And in that, you can see how I've changed uh, between that and, and what I actually ended up drawing. Because... Mm-hmm. In um, in the newspaper clipping, I think he looks more like he does in the Christmas special now. But actually, he was way too old then. So it's like trying to figure that out. So you have like the end point, and then when we did the the second arc, you have sort of like well, that's for now is the start point, and then everything else is trying to plot those points in between. Yeah, you know, it's fun trying to figure out exactly like. At what point does he like? Yeah, he's no longer like this long-haired guy. He's like, he's a he's a sheriff now. He's got to look sort of like the part a bit more. Mm-hmm. I think so. It's like that all comes into it. And yeah, he's yeah he, he needs. I was aware that I've got not that long to get him to totally grey hair. So it's like you need to start <laughs> seeing that. So just stuff like that, and it's it's fun to play with that. And that's what I tend to start with this when we ever do whenever we start a new arc it's like right well, what are all these characters gonna look like because we saw Lou in the first arc then we saw her a bit in the we saw her in the last Christmas special I don't know if we saw her in the second arc I think she's there she is yeah there. yeah she's there in, in one of the issues because I think she's yeah. the one who's like Joe Bob just called yeah um yeah so 
and then it's like figuring out what she looks like in the 90s so it's like looking at like 90s fashion and stuff like that hairstyles and all that kind of thing and then applying that to this and like she wasn't wearing glasses in the 80s but she was in modern day so like where, at what point does she get glasses and it's like <laughs> but it's like looking at like you know like love and rockets stuff like that with the age that's like the the gold standard of that kind of thing and they jump around a lot obviously it's in real time isn't it but they you know seeing them jump around and it's um trying to find things that will distinguish them so you know exactly where you are in the story enough for it to yeah so i want you to be able to tell that you're not in the third arc anymore yeah, and, yeah. but also they can't he can't suddenly be 20 years older he, you have to try and find like subtle little things um which is fun it's, it's like part of the sort of puzzle of piecing it all together so do you have like a sketchbook of like the timeline of all these characters you know like here's joe bob as a baby here's joe bob i wish i was i'm not i'm nowhere near as organized as that i literally <laughs> the day i have to start penciling it i'll be like oh i need to figure out what they look like uh and then it's like just a, I don't do, it's all digital as well, so it's, it's not as exciting as a book full of, uh, of all the different uh, ages or whatever. But um, but even like, I think uh, Eversol, so in that second page, he looks completely different to how he looks in the yeah. in the final thing. And even there's a, there is a version of the cover of issue seven on somewhere online, which I accidentally posted, <laughs> where he hasn't got the, he hasn't got the facial hair. Um, because I went and added that in after I started drawing the interiors. Uh-huh. So I had to add the cover. So, um, yeah, like all that sort of stuff, figuring it all out is very last minute, usually. Like, like okay, I, now I need to. I know that, like, as a reader of that Texas Blood, like, it rewards the long memory. So, like, as I'm reading the current, you know, the RQK arc, I go, like, oh, her ex is named Ralphie. Have I already met Ralphie? And then I'm flipping back through the like the previous issues, going like, okay, oh no, his name was Ray, so that's a different guy, you know, like that whole thing. <laughs> like, and sometimes if I you feel haven't like, met Ralphie. Okay, good. Thank you. He was a piece of shit. I can tell. <laughs> um, but uh, like, but I do have that kind of like panic of like, is there some like I read it in a panic of have I forgotten something? And um, do you as creators feel that same panic? of like, I have all of these moving parts and I don't want to forget something that could be useful later or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I I can't speak for Jake, obviously, but I mean, for myself, I definitely, I'm very much aware of that. And again, sometimes I get it wrong. I try to get everything right, but there's, I, I name so many dates. So many people <laughs> I, I get lost sometimes in it myself. Um, but yeah, we, we haven't met, Ralphie, we've met, you know, you mentioned Ray before, and we've met Ray's brother who owns the Lost Soul, you know, so it's, either, so there's definitely, there's a, there's a definitely a lot of moving parts and trying to keep track of everybody, but luckily it's, it's a fairly small town. So even if we do introduce a lot of people, they, they recur, mm-hmm. you know, so we, we see Kit in, um in the third arc, as well as, you know, being in the first arc, um, that's, that would be Ray's brother, the owner of the Lost Soul. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, even in that first, the like Jake was showing that 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 page with you know Joe Bob's office with like the stuff on it. I mean, if you, even if you look at that, that's the first issue. We are we're already hinting at Eversol. We're already hinting at you know. I mean, we do meet Walt and Sam technically in issue one, but you know, there's hints at 
what we would see eventually in arc three when we re- we reveal what happened, mm-hmm. you know, what actually happened on the day. And yeah, I don't know. It's there's a lot of that the the moving parts, but I think it's the fun part for me is to throw out like a little bit of information, even just for myself, and be like, ooh, that would be fun to do eventually. And that's one of the things that you know we're we're taking into the the next thing that we're doing was actually there was just a little bit of information I threw into the back matter in, in arc two, um, which was about the Enfield gang massacre. Um, and Jake messaged me and was like, are we ever going to do that? And I was like, if you want to. <laughs> so that, you know, so that's, we were like, oh, well, that'd be fun to do like an old, old West, like an actual old West thing. Um, and so I think we're, we're doing that next and that would be fun to do. Um, but you know, that's the kind of stuff that I, you know, I, th- I throw out information and I'm just, you know, try to be like, okay, that would be fun to do. That'd be fun to do. That'd be fun to do, you know, and just sort of, it, it allows me, it gives me the, the, it, it both sets me up in a way where I'm, where I, I'm given basically, a not an infinite amount of choices, but I give myself enough choices where I'm like, I can pull from things if I need to. Uh, when I need to, you know, it's it's like literally like having a toolbox, but it's with character names and and town names and and just e- events and things like that. You know, I can pull from it if I need to. When we spoke last uh, about issue fourteen and how we were going to be digging into this uh, serial killer story, we spoke a lot in terms of cinematic influences on you, Chris. Uh, Jacob, for you, executing the RQK story, especially that first issue in that arc, the 14th issue, like it's a truly terrifying comic book. Uh, What what was your headspace? Where were you exploring uh, when you were creating that issue? Um, I don't know. Like it's hard to have a pinpoint because I think you just sort of naturally take everything in as it comes. Rather than, I wasn't like, right, I need to go and watch. Well, actually, that's not quite true because Chris did put together like a list of films for me to go and watch. Um, <laughs> I think I I think I managed like half of them or something <laughs> during, before the, I finished drawing the uh, arc. But um, yeah, you know, like you do just, you sort of take all this stuff in. You know, there's a lot of like Mike Myers Halloween stuff there and that kind of thing but I, I didn't go back and watch that I just you know you know it already like yeah. I think for I think was it issue five the cover with the red and the silhouette at the top of the stairs um and that's like that is just the Halloween poster that is well it's a Halloween poster but um I didn't even realize until it came out and like <laughs> uh Pip who flats to us flats me as well um she sent me the halloween poster she's like you just drawn this but i was like oh yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah I, I do have a lot of I, I do sometimes do intentional like references in we did like a simpsons cover in, on uh, issue four yeah. and so like, um but that one was completely unintentional so it is yeah you just like you just sort of soak all this stuff in and then it's like yeah, you're regurgitating it in your own way, uh, whether it's intentional or not. I think I think you can't help but draw on certain tropes and influences and whatever. Like, yeah, it's a whole big mess of everything that you watch and read and take in. So I think it's um, 
yeah, I couldn't really point to anything in particular, but well, like the uh, paneling in issue 14, like it's so sharp, it's so like it's drawing you in. You're also creating these large panels where you around Patty, there's all this space where something could be, you know, like, like, like how, um, when, when you're executing an issue where there is something in the house, there is someone in the house, yeah. how aware are you of that, uh, spacing, like uh, playing with that spacing? Yeah, I think that sequence is way darker than anything that I'd. Yeah. Like, as in uh, visually darker than anything that I'd drawn up to that point. Um, there's a lot of black in it, a lot of corners where he could be hiding, and that's definitely intentional. And it wouldn't have worked any other way, I don't think. If you're, you know, you're either showing the space or you're not showing the space, and you have to find a way to to sort of mask everything off. But still, like, you don't want to be constantly here. Like, um you want, yeah, you want to be playing with that idea that it could he could be anywhere, and like then his face pops up behind him in that panel, and it's like, you know, he could have been just out of sight for the whole thing, and especially as soon as you see that door open, and it's like, and he's, I think you see him behind her, and even in that sequence, when she shuts the door, mm-hmm. and he's there already, mm-hmm. and then it's like, and then he disappears for a couple of pages, and he comes back, um, so yeah, you definitely like playing with that idea of um what's in the shadows so everything you need to have her in that space i think and i love how that issue rhymes with the issue where lou is attacked right and Mm -hmm. like there seems to be some visual parallels there as well yeah um i think some of that's in the script as well like a lot of uh, and even at the end of um whatever the last issue is issue 19 right uh, but in the script for that, Chris had written like this page looks the same as mm. the, the the very is the very first page. It was, it was the inverse, yeah. So you yeah, the, on the first panel, you know. So you, yeah. you start with a house, you end on a house. Yeah, you know, and the the person on the couch. So it's like, what if we just flip it? But it's you know, yeah. obviously not it's not as dark, you know. <laughs> we did um, the same thing with the first art as well. I think we did. The opening page of the first album yeah. got the landscape, mm. so then it's on a landscape. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that sort of bookending of of the, of the arts is, is fun. But yeah, there's yeah definitely things throughout. I always come back to this, the, you know, the same imagery over and over, even if I don't mean to. Like, there's only so many um, sort of uh, compositions that. Can, in my head, but like it's like for certain, yeah. If you're looking at uh, if there's two people talking, there's only so many ways in my head that I can figure out how to show those two mm. people in an interesting way. So it always ends up coming back to the same thing. You, just, you do tend to use the same thing over and over. I don't want it to just look the same throughout, but it's yeah, there's definitely elements that come in. I think that it's part of your like storytelling style as well as like the you know the physical physical style of how you're drawing as well your mannerisms in how you approach it all. Mm. Um, and I think in comics, you always find that you, you fi- you're trying to find new ways to make it as quick as possible and as easy as possible to draw it all because mm. there's so much stuff to draw. You have to have a sort of shorthand that you develop over the pages and pages and pages that you're drawing. Um, so you always come back to the same thing, I think, even if you're trying to avoid it. I feel like... like- 
from the aspect of an entire arc in that Texas blood, that mirroring, that satisfying mirroring is like necessary because it kind of helps you forget how many loose ends there actually are where you go like, uh, you know, like, oh, we've captured the RQK killer. But Joe Bob is still, you know, in this race um, for sheriff that he's not even sure he really wants to participate in fully. And like, it also suggests a, um, a destiny, Mm. like a fate that is running through Ambrose County in all that mirroring and rhyming. of. But I'm like just talking about like chaptering, chaptering a story that is really actually so long. You know what I mean? Where Mm. the RQK story is now contained, but there are so many other moving pieces that to me almost feel more important that are not not contained yeah yeah Um, in our last conversation with chris we had an opportunity to talk about texas being both a literal place but also like a place like camelot like a place of imagination or like middle earth or a mythology a mythology and so i wanted to ask you jacob what is and and in your instagram picture you have like embraced the idea of texas you've got like that big cat cowboy hat on and clearly you've like signed on to like okay i am now representing texas in the way that i am representing texas and i just want you to talk a little bit about like what does texas mean to you well yeah so that my my instagram picture was taken when we went to texas me and chris and my girlfriend all visited texas in uh may uh and hung out for a bit we were i was there for about two and a half weeks no was it well two weeks um sort of driving around various places and we met with Chris and hung out uh, in West Texas for a few days. Um, But that was the first time I'd ever been to Texas. The only other time I've been to the States was I went to California a few years earlier. Um, So it was very difficult to think about the sort of physical place as the real place. It was very much like I was going off what I knew from film and other comics and you know, whatever, like photography, whatever I'd seen, and then driving around on Google Street View, trying to figure out how things worked, like how, you know, just even, te- just in terms of like the the width of road is like mm. completely different to how it is here. And like mm-hmm. things like that, like the, the scale of things is kind of like incomprehensible when you live in a country as small as England. We've got a lot of countryside, but then the next town's only a couple of miles. It's never... You're not driving hundreds of miles to go to the nearest city or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of thing, I think, was difficult to sort of get my head around. So visiting definitely helped. But yeah, I think it's mostly, yeah, like treating it almost as a mythical place, like a fictional. Well, I guess we have the benefit of it being set in a fictional county. Right, right. So like, yeah, there's a bit of leeway there. Um, and But I was amazed when when the book started coming out and people were like oh you know you really captured that the spirit and like the identity of texas i was like that must be chris but it's definitely not me like none (laughs) of this none of this looks real like everything sort of looks a bit like you know the the lost soul is based on a bar like the outside of it is and the inside as well on two different bars but local to me Uh and they're just sort of um, into a sort of what I thought a Texas street would look like. Um, but then when Chris took me to the bar that it's actually based on, and it's like, wow, this is wildly different to what I ended up drawing. Um, 
So it's weird. I think, like, for me, I can definitely see all the sort of, like, British things coming in, mm. which I've tried to avoid, but it's still definitely there. Um, you know, when I'm drawing New York or something, it's a lot easier because that looks a lot more like Manchester, um, especially, like, the old parts of Manchester. Um, so, yeah, it's like, yeah, just treating it, purely as a fictional place but yeah a lot of driving around on google street even like i've got like a stack of some of these here like a stack of books like of like photography and stuff like that so it's just like trying to find as much reference as i possibly can I just think that it's funny that Texas is this place that like inspires cosplay. Like, it's not like when you went to California, you're like, and now I'm wearing my California hat. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, I'm in, I'm in Texas. I'm going to wear a cowboy hat. Everyone who's yeah. not been from Texas and goes to Texas Put, takes that photo. Yeah, you know, like, I yeah. have that photo. Uh, yeah. yeah, I had to buy the hat, and my girlfriend bought a pair, bought a pair of boots as well when we were in Austin. It's like, yeah, you've got to do it. Like, it's, it's just, it's yeah. It's um, it's worth embracing, I think. Um, reading the the RQK arc, I went into that first issue going like, "Is this going to be like a whodunit?" And there are like whodunit elements. Um, there are definitely clues that are are dropped that are later like satisfied. But it's so much more about it's uh, an invasion story. Mm. You know, it, the, the RQK enters Ambrose County and tears it up. Right. You know, it's an interloper story. It's not so much a who is the RQK killer. To me, what this arc is about is like, how do we cope? It opens with Lou trying to cope with her breakup with Ralphie. And Joe Bob is trying to cope with Sam's death and his feeling of responsibility for it. And then also he's coping with the opposition from Benchley using this really painful moment to discredit him and all of this stuff. And is the juxtaposition of those greater life mysteries of how we go on with the literal mystery of who's killing, who killed Patty and who's like, who is tearing through this town? Is that juxtaposition intentional? Yeah, we have to solve this mystery, but the greater mystery is the mystery. How do we get up every morning? Yeah, I mean... I think that what the arc is really about, and I mean, it it plays out in in how RQK meets his end, and and you know how much space we give him at the end, and you know how how much uh, time we give him in the panels. I think sort of speaks mm. to the the importance of him as an actual human being, which is not much. Um, and I also reflected that in the the back matter in the final issue, which essentially had i mean again spoiler technically but if if you're if you if you're listening to this i i hope you've read any credit you but, should have read it already um, and we'll put that in the intro too yeah <laughs> essentially the, the the final thing that lou says in the back matter is that you know he doesn't matter he's garbage and that's that's what he was and that's all he'll ever be and you know i know that that doesn't satisfy some people some people want to know like who was he and it, it doesn't matter you know he was just he was a guy he was he was a guy who was twisted and and did some pretty twisted things but what matters is you know what matters is what what our characters are going through and and yeah i think part yeah part of it is it was everybody dealing with a, a certain sort like you said everybody's mourning in some way and you know it's 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 a kind of, it's a very sad arc 
but I think that it's it's very humanizing and and it brings people together. It brings Lou and, and Joe Bob together and it brings Joe Bob and Wilson together. And, you know, I trying to think of a way to put it, but yeah, I, I, I think that it's, it's very much about what you, what you were saying about coping and, and about, I don't know. It's just a, very much about being human. I, I think that there's very much, there's some, some of the stuff that we did with red. I think Jacob killed it on by the way, but um, I think that there's some, some stuff there that I think is, it's very, human and that, that's really all that i wanted to do is to to humanize this place and the humor and yeah i mean rqk is very much i mean it's it's very <laughs> sort of cliche but he comes in with a storm right he's mm-hmm. literally coming in with a storm so like you said he's he's an invader with this storm um and he's very much that he's just he's he's this sort of force of nature he's he just you know comes in and he's, he's screwing everything up he screws up uh what could have been a normal i don't know how joe bob would have handled you know eventually if rqk hadn't have come in and and killed patty doyle would he have exploded would he have you know he wouldn't have shown up at the at the rally we know that Mm -hmm. so it you know all of this sort of stuff you know rqk acts as a catalyst for you know these people discovering who they are and 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 who they will become you know in, in the next in the the next six issues or whatever so i hope i answered your question yeah. <laughs> i rambled there for a bit no you but. did you did like, i want to go back to that first issue of that texas blood though where we do see all the news clippings mm-hmm. uh in joe bob's office and how that suggests this history of violence uh mm-hmm. that that pulsates through ambrose county and we talked a little bit about Ambrose County as a place of evil uh, in our last conversation. Uh, but I'm also curious, you know, from Jacob's perspective, you know, it seems to me like you do want to explore the past. Like, are we going to get to all these little stories uh, that we reference to? You have a desire to see them played out now. Yeah, like what yeah, like Chris said about the 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 thing we're doing next about the Enfield gangs and like that, it's like, you know, because I don't know all this stuff before Chris sends it to me you know like i have a general idea of the story but like all the sort of details and extra bits and like hints at things that have happened things that are to, to come like i don't know any of that beforehand so it's like well i think i was putting together the back matter and you know designing the stuff and i was like oh do we get to do we get to see this and chris is like well i don't know <laughs> um uh, like but yeah but there's so much stuff like i consume it like a reader almost i'm like oh you know i want to know all this stuff as well because i don't know any more than anyone else um the one thing i do want to say about the whole uh uk um sort of like reveal thing is that we used for the uh mug shot that they find of him that's based off uh patreon for our patreon thing um because we <laughs> So we did this thing where people could upload photos to like a Google Drive and I would use them as like a background character or whatever. So I've got through like maybe half of them and a lot of them are in the, the rally. Um, but I used one of them for the for for that mugshot and he hasn't said anything. And I don't know whether he's not read it oh, or yeah. he's either he's not read it, he hasn't noticed, or he's really insulted that I used him as a serial killer. Oh man. <laughs> 
your patrons need to really break out the ma- magnifying glass now to find them. I know, yeah. I wonder, like, you know, like you go, oh, I'm in this comic, but I'm at the rally. I would never go to the rally. I'm team jump off. Like, um, one of the things I do love about your art is the variety of faces. And so, like, do you do you have, like, just like a a pool of, of yeah, all his patients. You, you pull from or, or it was that like but was that a necessity like to have because like we talk about the humanizing of the storyline but there's also the like you like they look like people. they look they're people yeah yeah, yeah. um well I'm glad you think so but like well no I didn't have to get these people to do it I thought it'd just be a cool thing for them to do yeah sure um, but normally Every character in it is based on a photo of myself. Every I do photograph for everything. So like normally it's just me trying to make it not look like me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like Jobo is just me, but with like bigger eyebrows and a mustache. But like if he took all that out, he'd look a lot more like me. Uh, and, like especially like Benchley in that in when he in the in the rally, it's just like because Chris is like make him look a bit you know like he like he loves Elvis. I'm like oh mm-hmm. just uh, look. He just looks like me. Um, <laughs> so, like, but, yeah, I try and I want it to, you know, I, the thing I enjoy most is doing sort of the acting side of the storytelling, like those little moments and stuff like that. So it's like, yeah, trying to humanise them as much as possible and just make them, you know, recognisable. You know, I want them to look distinctive from each other. But, yeah, just trying to make them look sort of like real people. So, like... I do a lot of like double chins and like open mouths and that kind of thing, like things that you might you don't tend to see a lot of in like superhero stuff. Like everyone sort of stood there with their mouth closed, even though they're talking, and like yeah. <laughs> everything's like square jaw that sort of thing. And like I try and avoid that as much as possible. I want them to look their age and to look like real fleshy people and that kind of thing. So that's like part of the thing that I enjoy most about doing it is like you get to spend all this time with these people so you want them to feel like real people. Can I just highlight one character that I absolutely love the design of is the the Ambrose Public Radio guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> I forget his name. That's a real guy. I can't remember who it was but it was like I was I was researching like the inside of a radio station for that scene and there's a, there's this DJ that I came across he was like some local DJ somewhere. And I was like, oh, he looks too good to not include. <laughs> there is a lot of that stuff as well. Like, I've got, like, screenshots of people off, like, Instagram or whatever, where they've just been, like, in the background of a photo or whatever. So it's like, oh, yeah, I'll use them at some point. Like, I, this woman uh, posted a video, like, I think it was, like, a TikTok. And it's this woman, like, with a similar haircut to what, uh, Martha's got in and I was like oh that's perfect because you can like see it from like all angles and I was like screenshot 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 um so like stuff like that like like real people amazing I love it um you know before we wrap up uh I want to again talk about Ambrose County as this state of being uh and it's possibly as a malevolent force uh, it feels like that was absolutely intentional from the very first issue again going back to joe bob's office and all those clippings and seeing like there is a history of awful things that have happened but has that evolved like has ambrose county evolved in your own imagination as you've progressed through these three arcs 
Yeah, I mean, I, I did have it in my mind that it was, I mean, I always, I've, I've talked about it before, but m one of my major influences is Stephen King, and, you know, Stephen King, it, it, the environments are very much a character, like, you know, pe when people talk about his stories, they talk about, oh, the Dairy stories, or the Castle Rock stories, you know, that the, they don't necessarily single them out as like, oh, the, you know, the, the one about the rabid dog, <laughs> they, they sort of been down into like, know what township they they take place in um and in that way it's sort of you know it feels like that the the town is very much a character and i i wanted to do something like that i very much wanted to have the town and the county be be an an influence on on the the happenings and and you know sort of to be a magnet for bad things um and in terms of i mean it it's def it's definitely developed over time, but it's it's been there. Uh, in terms of, I, I think that that it, you know it, that that will happen anyway. That it will, will happen with with characters. It will it, you know, and it also happens with the environment itself. I definitely feel like we we still, you know, I mean, we 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 you know, like Jacob had just said, we we literally introduce before we see any characters, we introduce the place, you know. So we're seeing these these you know wilderness landscapes and all that um and again where do we end the third arc <laughs> we begin the third arc because we're looking at the exterior we're seeing like sort of the environment so I, yeah i do i don't know i i think that it's it's developed in my mind but it's it's still it's it's been it's always been what it is to me it's just a matter of trying it you know figuring out the character of the place and and seeing it grow as we grow issues yeah, like Krista, they sort of just naturally develop over time. Like you get to, I think each character has sort of settled into itself in terms of like visually, I think, uh, as I've done more and more, you know, like I think we've, we've done over like 500 pages of this book now. And yeah, most of them have got Joe Bob on them. So like he's very much like, I know him incredibly well. And you sort of work out his sort of like mannerisms and, and that kind of thing over time. So I think they naturally sort of develop. I'm hoping the, you know, the locations have got more convincing. Uh, you know, I took a lot of photo ref when I was, when we were there. And then I was saying, we did a podcast the other day, I was saying, you know, I took all this photo ref and then Chris made me cover it all in snow. So it was like, <laughs> but now hopefully it'll be a bit more useful coming up. But um, yeah, like I'm hoping it just gets more and more authentic and we build more and more of it. Like, I think we're constantly sort of filling in gaps. Like every piece is like a you know like a jigsaw. We're putting it, it's like a puzzle piece going filling in all those little bits that we've missed and that kind of thing. So I think yeah, it naturally has been filling out and developing, sort of not by itself because we've been doing it, but like you know it feels sort of organic. What gets me excited about continuing to read about Ambrose County is like Ambrose being an inherently bad place starts as something from Joe Bob's imagination. Like he has this suspicion, which he confesses to the priest and the priest goes, that's funny. Cause you've had this, this um, suspicion before and you're returning with it. But then with the RQK um, killer, Lou doesn't say like, you know, the RQK killer killed Patty. What she says is Patty had good intentions. She brought the good intentions back to Ambrose County and Ambrose County, it killed her. 
And so, okay, well, Ambrose County being a bad place is also in Lou's imagination. And then we get the Christmas special. Oh, Ambrose County being a bad place is in Billy's imagination. So now like, it's like this kind of like open secret kind of thing where everybody goes like, oh, and also like in the very first arc, like returning to Ambrose County is also a terrible idea. Ambrose County is like this morally, morally low place and all of the crap from everywhere just kind of like rolls into it like a gutter. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think that that's, one of the interesting things about that is that it, these characters keep trying to save it. Mm, you know? Yeah. And that's like, that's what you were talking about with Lou's talking about, about Patty coming back and how the place ended up killing her. It's like, but Patty came back because she wanted to t- to take care of the people of the county and she wanted mm. to, to change the county and make, make the county a better place. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting to, to sort of play in that, yeah, and same thing with like Benchley and and all those. And I mean, there was definitely some like Trump stuff that was playing into like my mind in terms of like the Benchley stuff. But you know, it's it's and and that does speak to like a larger American problem. Is like you know everybody has their gripes and complaints, but we all at some level feel <laughs> like we love this place. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's home. Uh, and you know, why do we keep fighting for why do we vote why do we why do we do the things that we do you know it's it's because we believe in a in a in a better tomorrow we believe in a better america we believe we believe in americans we believe in humanity i think is at the end of the day is what it really comes down to and i think that that's kind of what is happening in in a microcosm in ambrose county you know and i i i, I think that that's you know it's it's an it really interesting thing that the place itself is is like a poison you know mm-hmm. um and people just keep trying to find the antidote you know mm. oh well gentlemen thank you so much for indulging us with all of our questions uh <laughs> we super appreciate it as super fans of that texas blood yeah. we uh, we you know we just got uh the christmas special it's it's out now uh, we loved it. We hope everyone listening has also picked it up. And now we're going to take a little bit of a pause before we get back to that Texas blood. How do we? How are we feeling about that? Uh, I mean, I, it's great because it gives us time to to develop what we're doing next, which I I think is going to be really really fun and, and really cool. But um, we 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 I think we have a tendency to come back in June, but we're actually coming back in August next year but i i think what we're doing and it's it's a little different than what we've done previously and the extra time that we're getting to do it or at least the extra time i'm getting to do it, i don't know about jake <laughs> uh, jake's on some tight deadlines but um the extra time that i'm, I'm getting to to develop the idea and to you know let it gestate and, and sort of just think about the logistics of it and you know i just the other day i was i was literally just a lot, a lot of, it's going to sound silly, but a lot of writing is just sitting around thinking. Sure. And I was literally just going for a walk and I was thinking about this, this next arc. And I'm just, you know, I, I'm like, it can go this way or it can go this way. And like, so what I'm thinking about now is because I know where it's going. I'm just, I need the catalyst to be the right catalyst to get me to those points. So I, that's what I was debating. And I think that given the time, uh, that we have to develop it. I, I, I think that's really helpful to me is, you know, to be able to think about it rather than if we were, you know, running at a, you know, at a sprinting pace, 
uh, with a monthly series, you know, where we were literally going to be coming in January, you know, uh, it would probably be a different story than it is going to be now where I have the time, um, which, you know, likewise, that's one of the things that I, you know, that I like about our comic. And I think other people like about our comic is that there's there's a different pace to it than some other comics out there. Uh, we're very deliberate in our pacing. And I think that that's, you know, it's helpful to have that time to develop it, to help that as well, to give it that deliberate pace. It gives me a break to do other things that I need to catch up on. You know, I've got Newburn that I'm doing oh, yeah. as well. So that's, I've so I've just started work on the 10th one. I just finished the ninth one. So it's like, yeah, playing catch up, trying to juggle everything at once. I'm doing a graphic novel uh, thing for the next few months as well before we come back with more of Texas Blood. So it's just like, yeah, trying to fit in all the things that I said yes to over the last sort of year, getting <laughs> them done, out of the way and then coming back. Like, if I could just carry on, do Texas Blood every month, and also get to do these other things, then it'd be great. But it's just, yeah, taking some needed time. You know, I spent the last month just sort of catching up on stuff that I, like freelance illustration stuff and little odds and ends that I hadn't, that I've been pushing back and back and back because to meet these monthly deadlines. So it's just like a bit of a break and a reset and then onto the next thing and then straight back into more Texas Blood stuff. Yeah, I'm feeling positive keep saying yes and uh keep bringing us more and more projects i love the pacing of that texas blood because when a new arc starts it does feel like an event Mm -hmm, yes right and like things have to stop for that texas blood when it comes back and that's always so exciting (laughs) it feels like a you know like yeah like a film or a tv show or something like you know like you just saw i also think people i don't know if this is true or not but i i feel like maybe people would get a bit like if it's constant and you can't catch up then you people fall behind and it's it almost gives people a chance to to get on board or to catch up or whatever and it's like the trade comes out people can read the trade and then if they want to you know jump back on on the singles or the next trade or whatever and it's like a nice little break for everyone and the great thing about that texas blood is like if you give somebody the third trade it doesn't necessarily ruin the narrative experience of like going back and reading the first two uh like each trade is kind of a hook an, a hook opportunity for new readers hopefully anyway in terms of hooking in new readers i i don't know how many new readers we have i hope that we do get more new readers um i i think that the 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 christmas issues are designed in a way that we, we can get new readers if we if if they, if they were willing to pick up an issue i know that it's a little hard to 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 pitch it to people that an issue 20 is a good number one for them mm-hmm. um but it's true you know it's, there's nothing that you need to know going into it um but yeah i i the thing that i really like about our series is that you can pick up any single trade doesn't matter which one and you can jump into it and you'll be fine but you know you, you had mentioned before about rewarding you know it being rewarding having yeah a rewarding a long memory is what you yeah. said that's that's very intentional and and i think that that's you know that's that's where it becomes a reward to literally read arc one arc two arc three you know um you can read just one and, and be fine but you know you don't have to start at one 
And I, I think that that, you know, I, my hope would be that, that that would be a, a boon to new readers, you know, to be able to jump in at any point. Well, we're going to do our job of getting you new readers because we yeah. need the, well, those I, trade paperbacks to sell and we need we need a hard cover. Yeah. <laughs> We would love to do a hardcover. It's just a matter of uh, proving to the publisher that it would be viable. Very much uh, appreciate your support. Well, uh, seriously, I mean, Patreon subscribers and, you know, just, uh, you know, supporting us on, on social media and, and reading our book and talking about our book. We, we really do appreciate it. I mean, that's how people find out about the book. I, I It's it's amazing to me, uh, just, you know, in terms of we, we have the third volume coming out. We have 20 issues. And I'm still meeting people that are, oh, I've heard about that book or they haven't read the book at all, haven't even heard of it. Um, and, you know, we're not, you know, we're not published by some, you know, underground publisher or something, you know, we're an image comic. So it's it's very much, um, it's opening my mind to, you know, okay, this is what it's like to to have a series, you know, and to, and to always be fighting for new readers. And so we are we are very much thankful for people like you out there, you know, talking about our book and, and supporting us and and just you know we wouldn't be where we are without you guys uh, well. we would support it if it was shitty we really <laughs> like it we're fans yeah, first big time big time uh so uh we've now trapped you in the zoom room for far too long and we are so grateful for that but we are going to let you go but before we do that uh do you want to hit up our listeners with where they can Plugs. find you online and uh, continue this conversation yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to talk about Lisa's Mr. A mug, which oh. <laughs> yeah, Steve Ditko. That, that's a deep cut uh, from the from the Ditko Museum. Yeah, uh, out in uh, in Pennsylvania, it was up for a brief period of time. Oh man, I, I need one of those. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, people can find me on literally uh, every new social media platform that's popping up. Uh, but uh, I am on every social media platform aside from Facebook, um, I think. And that's all at Christoph Condon. So it's Christopher without the ER. Christoph, at Christoph Condon. Um, you can also find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Condon Phillips. Um, we post new content every month, newsletters, podcasts. I For $6 and $10 people, I send letters and postcards out. Jake does a unique postcard for, you know, once a month. Unless we're busy, <laughs> do it every month. Uh, but we do apologize for any delays. But um, I'm getting out the November stuff as we speak. And uh, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, at different handles. But if you put in my name, I pop up. Um, and I'm on one of the other ones, the new ones, but I haven't posted anything. Hive, I think, or the other one. Yep. Um, no, not Hive. What's the other one? Mastodon. Uh, yeah, I'm on that, but I've not posted or uh, actually done anything on my profile yet. I'm going to stick out Twitter until it literally doesn't work We're anymore. the same. We're the same. Yeah. 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 They're gonna I'm not going to Yeah, Hive, Hive is going through something right now. They're going through some uh, growing pains or something because all my posts disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, um, it's, I, I lose patience waiting for s- stuff to load. I'm like, what is this? Well, they only have three employees. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I know. I know. I, I know. I know. It feels like we're bullying them, but, uh, you know, at, the, at this, at so some why level, are you Twitter? Why does level, my lifeboat have holes in it? <laughs> yeah. At, yeah, at some point, you're just like, well, I have, I have a thing that works over here. So I'm just going to yeah. continue yeah. to use it. Yeah, you know, which sure. I mean, I would love to be able to to 
you know, discard Elon's, you know, yes, app. But uh, unfortunately, we are we are in a place where we we really can't. But you know, Mastodon Hive, it's good to have alternatives. Why people still live in Ambrose County? It's like all my shit is here. Exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. That's it. Our book is about Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's I, I would suggest just going on the Patreon because we're still there, and that's yeah. got the best stuff anyway. So. And it's, it's a great like Patreon. Yeah, yeah it is fun. it's really good. It's there's like no better feeling than getting a letter in the mail. In yeah. the mail. So yeah. highly recommend that. I'm too. glad that you guys like it because it's it's fun for me to write them. I I need to get a new typewriter there because my typewriter stopped working. Yeah, yeah, um, that does make it less cool. I gotta say, when it stops being on a typewriter, uh, break out me. that quill. Oh yeah, get that's your true. quill out. That's true. Yeah, I'll have to uh, work out what is it, 35, 40 letters every. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Uh, again, thank you so much, uh, and we look forward to having you back on uh, whenever. Yeah, open invitation. Yeah. Thanks for having us on. And there you go. Yeah, Chris and Jacob, the sweetest fellas. Whenever I finish one of these interviews that I love so much and I had a great time is I always think of like that one question that I forgot to ask. Sure. And for me, one of the kind of subtext themes of that Texas blood is the idea of these bigger moral panics. Mm. Like we had the arc that it was about the satanic panic. Yeah, volume two. The first arc was the idea of the snap. Like any of us are capable of murder when pushed to the edge of our sanity. Yeah, I call that the killing joke moral panic. (laughs) And then um, the RQK killer is the serial killer moral panic. And it was kind of um, mirrored with the murder of Walt, which is such so much more common of a type of murder. And yet we are all so frightened of the serial killer stalking us than someone we love getting fed up and shooting us. And we're going to be getting this look back in time to this moment of gangster violence. Yes. And that was also a moral panic of its day too, the Bonnie and Clyde era. So that's interesting. That Lisa, that just means we need to have Chris and Jacob back on the show to discuss that angle. I hope you're taking notes and keeping track of those notes. (laughs) You know I'm not. So next week, that will be our official Christmas week episode. Uh, That is going to be a Creator Corner conversation with Elisa Quitney, the author of Guilt, G-I-L-T, and also the former assistant editor of Sandman. We've had that conversation already. It is a delight. Guilt is one of our favorite comics of the year. So fun. And Lisa and I are in the middle of preparing for our best comics of 2022 episodes, a two-parter, and we're trying to figure out where guilt is going to fall. So if you have not read guilt, you need to do so. You'll have a lot of fun with it. It is a unique spin on time travel. And I think a very millennial story. Even though Alyssa Quitney is not technically a millennial, she has a millennial spirit. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, And it's also a great opportunity for Lisa and Elisa to discuss the effability of Morpheus. Yeah, I think- That is a damn delight. I think the way I'm going to end that episode is that I'm just going to rank all of the endless by effability. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, And if you're a patron, you've already heard that portion of the episode over in our Patreon feed. Uh, This is a good reminder that uh, Christmas, you know what makes a great holiday gift? Uh, 
a Patreon subscription to Comic Book Couples Counseling. A gift to someone else or a gift to yourself. We just mailed out our third batch of CBCC holiday cards. If you're a patron and you haven't gotten yours, it's because you have not checked your Patreon messages. We need those addresses. That's right. Uh, this year's card is a spin off of Captain Marvel 19, where Santa is riding the back of Captain Marvel and Mary Marvel is right under Captain Marvel. Uh, just switch out Brad and Lisa's yep. heads. Yep. Adam Reck of Comics XF has done the art for us and he it, it is glorious. Yes. I'm very excited for those to arrive in people's mailboxes. And yeah, so a uh, Patreon subscription, consider it as giving it as a gift for yourself or for a loved one. My heart kind of jolted when you said next week is our official Christmas episode because I have yet to get you your Christmas comics for our exchange. I also have not gotten you your Christmas comic nor your birthday gift, <laughs> which is on December 27th. That's right. Uh, and yeah, so we've got some shopping to do, but next week's episode in the intro, Lisa and I are going to do a new thing where we're going to exchange uh uh, comics. We're going to buy each other a different gift. We did do that last year. Did we do that last year? Yeah, 100%. Well, I forgot what you gave me. <laughs> do you remember what I gave you? No. Okay, well, we're going to do it again. And uh, then we'll, we'll 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 keep notes. I think we did a video last year. <laughs> did we? Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, we did do a video. Well, we're doing it on the podcast this year, and I'm super excited. Yeah. Yeah, I hope it's the Love and Rockets box set, Lisa. It's only $400. I promise you it's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, friends. In addition to that, we still have to give out our last present of the year, our final Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode. Will we be able to do it, Lisa? Our conversation on the last Ronin. Yeah, that might come out after Christmas. Yeah, it's definitely coming out after Christmas. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely coming out after Christmas. The hope is it comes out before 2023. Yes. That's the plan. That's the plan. But also those two big best of episodes. Okay, don't think about it. Don't think about it. We can do this, Lisa. We're professionals. Well, we can procrastinate no longer. It's time to wrap this up like Christmas wrapping or like a body bag if we want to be in theme with the RQK killer arc. <laughs> Where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? You can find me on all social medias at MouthDork. If you have words of affirmation for our logo, you can send them to Aaron Prescott at A Cool Hand Fluke. And if you have some words of affirmation for our radical banner art and show posters, send them to Karen Charm at Karen underscore X-Men fan. Lisa, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? I am always accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Instagram and Twitter. And Hive! Uh, are we? <laughs> we haven't taken it out of our copy yet, nope. so I guess we are. It's still there. If you'd like to spend more quality time with us, you can subscribe to us on Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to get exclusive, <laughs> you can join our Patreon, where you'll get more content, including weekly bonus episodes. And holiday cards. That's right! If you'd like to reach out and touch us electronically, you can email the podcast, cbccpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, comicbookcouplescounseling.com, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and maybe Hive still, at CBCC Podcast. You can give us the gift of five stars on Apple Podcasts, and if you'd like to do an act of service, why not write a review of the show while you're there? Ooh, that would make a great Christmas gift to us. Yeah, that'd be nice. If you haven't gotten us anything yet. <laughs> we are fluent and receptive in all five love languages. It really warms our hearts and helps the pod. So until next time, friends, keep your love tank full. And your psychic rapport open. Doopy doopy. Bum, bum, ba, da, bum, bum, ba, da, ba.